Please listen carefully. Hello and welcome to the Film Revere Podcast, episode number seven. This week brought to you by Audible. I'm your host, Zach Hamilton. Our guest for today's episode is Walking Dead actor Jeremy Palco. But first, let's get into some industry news. Disney is now looking to 28 Weeks Later director Juan Carlos Fresnadillo to direct the live-action remake of The Sword in the Stone. Disney has had this project in development since 2015, with Game of Thrones writer Brian Cogman attached to write the script. Moving forward, SAG after President Gabriel Carteris and National Executive Director David White sent out a message to the SAG after National Board with regards to developing a code of conduct to address sexual harassment. In the message, Carteris and White stated the following. It will provide clear safety guidance to performers in the work environment and social environments attached to work where harassment frequently occurs. In response to questions they had been receiving about the sag actors' response to harassment and inequity within the industry, they added, We welcome the attention and are thrilled with the forceful initiatives now underway to eradicate this terrible disease that is pervasive in our society and industry. In somewhat related news, Mark Wahlberg has decided to donate $1.5 million from his All the Money in the World reshoot salary to the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund after news broke that he had earned nearly 1,500 times more than his co-star Michelle Williams. In a statement released to the press this past Saturday, Wahlberg had this to say, Over the last few days, my reshoot fee for all the money in the world has become an important topic of conversation. I 100% support the fight for fair pay, and I am donating the $1.5 million to the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund in Michelle Williams' name. His agency, William Morris Endeavor, also added, In recognition of the pay discrepancy on all the money in the world reshoots, WME is donating an additional $500,000 to the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund in Michelle Williams' name following our $1 million pledge to the organization earlier this month. It's crucial that this conversation continues within our community and we are committed to being a part of the solution. Sony's Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle topped the weekend box office for the third consecutive week, beating new release movies such as 12 Strong and Den of Thieves with $20 million from 3,700 North American locations. This has been a surprise hit to many, including myself. With a production budget of only $90 million, the film has gone on to earn $767.8 million in worldwide box office ticket sales to date. Lastly, some television news. The Walking Dead's Norman Reedus has voiced his opinion on, spoiler, Carl Grimes' death on the show. He told Entertainment Weekly that he was desperately unhappy about the decision. Reedus went on to say, I've seen Chandler grow up from a little boy. I've known that kid so long, and it always hurts when you lose a family member on the show. Chandler is definitely a family member to me. I was not happy about it. I always thought Chandler would be the last man standing, to be honest. Moving on to some trailer drops. The Super Troopers 2 trailer premiered last Friday, delighting many fans of the cult classic. The film will focus on a border dispute that arises between the U.S. and Canada. The Super Troopers will be tasked with establishing a highway patrol station in the disputed area. The trailer definitely highlights many of the hijinks fans loved of the original with a new, slightly more Canadian twist. The film will be releasing in theaters on April 20th. 
Lastly, there is indeed a Heathers remake on the horizon. It will be a TV series set to release March 7th on the Paramount Network. The series will be set in present day and retell the original 1988 American black comedy film's plot. Not so fun fact for Paramount, the Heathers trailer has received 24,000 dislikes on YouTube as of Sunday, giving the trailer a 77% disapproval rating. This may be illustrating the fact that many television and film fans are fed up with the Hollywood remake trend. Hopefully, the show will perform better than the trailer. We are going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have actor Jeremy Palco joining us. Jeremy has played numerous parts in such television shows as The Vampire Diaries, Burn Notice, The Middle, and Sleepy Hollow. Most recently, Jeremy can be found on the Emmy-nominated show Bloodline as Nicholas Widmark and Andy on AMC's The Walking Dead. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. All right, guys and gals, are you like me and want something more than music to listen to during your morning commute? Maybe you want to start reading more, but don't have the time to sit down and open a book. Well, for people on the go, there's Audible. Audible offers over 180,000 audiobooks to listen to on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I personally love listening to a book while I'm in the studio. I get to catch up on my books and be productive at the same time. This week, Audible is giving Film Revere podcast listeners a slamming deal. Go to audibletrial.com slash frpodcast for a free 30-day trial and more importantly, get a free audiobook on us. Now would be the perfect time to listen to Ernest Klein's Ready Player One and prepare yourself for the film. Once again, go to audibletrial.com slash frpodcast for a free 30-day trial and free audiobook. That's audibletrial.com slash frpodcast. Thanks again to Audible for their support, and thank you listeners. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So you've had quite a career over the years and having been involved in a number of hit television shows, the one I think most people will definitely recognize you, at least recently, would be from AMC's The Walking Dead. Were you a fan of the show before you were cast? I absolutely was a fan before I was cast because I actually read for the pilot, like the very first episode, and I'd read probably about four or five times over the next couple of years for various parts in the show. I mean, it was labeled the un like like untitled zombie show but everyone knew it was the walking dead so yeah you know by the time i read for andy i didn't even know it was andy it was like alex in the script or something like that um i just kind of you know i would read submit and then just forget about it and then one day i got the call that i actually booked it so i kind of freaked out a little bit that is crazy so this has been a long time coming then so yeah i mean it's a it's a long but patient journey you don't really set out for like, Oh, I want this show. I want this show. You know, you just kind of, as an actor, you just read for, you know, parts that come your way that you, you know, would want to play and hopefully everything works out. Definitely. Yeah. So how exactly did you hear about it? Did you hear about it through your agent or? Yeah. My agent, um, down in, uh, Orlando submits me quite often to various projects that come across her desk. And what happens is, is, you know, she gets the breakdown of characters and then she submits, her actors and actresses for parts that, you know, they may fit. And then if the casting wants to take a look at them, then they go to the next step, which is the actual audition process, which can be, you know, going into the audition or taping at a, you know, at home or, or at a professional service and then sending that tape in. 
did you have any idea that the character was going to be as have such a long arc on the show? Um, no, not at all. I mean, I really didn't know too much about, you know, the character Andy. I'd, I'd done my homework and looked him up in the comics and everything, and he didn't last too long in the comics. So I was kind of expecting my run to be a lot shorter than it was. I never thought I would make it, you know, three seasons. But on that show, yeah. kind of, if you're not like a main character, if you're not Rick or, you know, Norman or something like that, then you, you kind of just go week to week and hope your phone doesn't ring with that, that Scott Gimple call. <laughs> call of death which a lot of us got in season eight which was which was such a bummer because we just got to set for the 100th episode and you know we were all having a great time like like jordan who uh plays uh eric and carlos and a bunch of other you know guys and stuff we're like we're hiking and we're going out to dinner every night and then the next day everyone was kind of like did you get a call did you get a call and yeah oh god that's so nerve-wracking yeah, it was really nerve-wracking so Wow. Now, the show takes place in a post-zombie apocalypse. What was it like being involved in that world? It was, as you know, as an actor, it was really, it was fun and easy to get into because we weren't shooting on green screen, which is, you know, you, you, as an actor, you shoot in a studio and you really got to open your imagination. But when we, um, when you shoot The Walking Dead, you literally shoot out in the middle of nowhere, like in the backwoods of Georgia, and there's no, there's no cell service at times, so I'd always leave my phone in my trailer and I mean, just that alone, you don't realize how quickly you get into character by not having your phone on you, you know, and just sitting out in the backwoods. And I mean, as pampered as a set can be, this was the least of it. Yeah. But there was no complaining anywhere on set because it was it was an amazing group of people. Um, yeah. You know, it was kind of fun. You know, it's out in the out in the woods shooting because it felt like um like a student film almost. It felt like a low budget indie, not, you know, like one of the biggest shows on TV. Yeah, right. Exactly. So what was some of your first thoughts running through your head when you finally got to the Hilltop set itself? Oh man, that was amazing. And first of all, Hilltop, some people don't know, is actually right next to Herschel's farm. Yeah. Like, like if you literally go to the front gate and look to your left, maybe like a hundred yards away is Herschel's farm. Um, like the place is so real. I mean, other than the facade inside the actual um, house, um, but everything else outside, man, everything was working. There was like real plants, real food, real, you know, livestock at times. And, you know, it was legit. It was a, a massive set. And it was just so cool to walk into through those gates. Gosh. Yeah. Like I would imagine a set that's that immersive just makes it so much easier as an actor. Cause it's like, oh, all right, so, well, so a lot we of this is, yeah. That's so awesome. So your first scene on the show was this immensely tense moment that started with an attempt on the then Hilltop leader's Gregory's life and ends with you getting your hand and or arm broken after attempting to choke out Abraham and the loss of your character's friend, Ethan. What were your initial thoughts when you discovered your first scene would be so action packed? You know, in the script, it didn't seem so action-packed. It just kind of said, you know, like we had dialogue and it says Ethan, you know, stabs Gregory and, you know, you know, uh, Andy is taken to the ground by Abraham. I mean, that uh, whole sequence was kind of like just kind of short-lived in the actual script. Mm -hmm. I think it said something along the lines of like in one sentence it said like Andy scraps with Abraham. But <laughs> on the day of shooting, um, our stunt coordinator, Monty, we kind of choreographed this, like I would, you know, try to pick up Andy Lincoln and try to, you know, and then uh, Michael Cutlets would come across and tackle me and Norman would be behind him as backup. And we kind of 
kind of walked through it maybe like three or four times and you know we had stunt pads to where we fell on a couple times but when they called action i mean nothing really went to <laughs> like nothing happened the way it was supposed to like, yeah pilots literally lifted me off the ground <laughs> all, all i had was elbow pads and knee pads but man he slammed me to the ground I mean, like like a bull. And yeah, he's a massive guy. A lot of people, like, obviously he seems bigger than life on the show, but I've actually met him in real life in Vancouver when he was up there filming a pilot for, I believe, ABC at the time. And, uh, I, yeah, you know it's him because he's just a massive guy, so I can only imagine how much power went into that when he put you down. Oh, I, I remember I was asking Monty at the time. I was just kind of like, like I've worked in stunts. I don't consider myself a fallen stunt man, but I've had my experience with it. And I was like, so what are we going like 80% maybe? And Monty just laughed and goes, dude, just hold on. And oh my God. Just hold Cutlets, on. Cutlets took me to the ground. And in the script, it was supposed to be me landing on top and choking him out. But mm. it wound up us just old school wrestling match. Like we got to the ground and thank God I'd wrestled for years. <laughs> right. And, um, I, I, I forcefully pulled him over top of me. In fact, I think I pulled a muscle in my, like my rib cage area. Um, I mean the next day, man, we were black and blue, but it was, it was awesome. It was really cool. Well, and it's so funny. I love the line is that you guys, that you scrap with Abraham because it ended up being this very big moment for Abraham or, you know, for Michael Cudlow's character, because, oh, yeah. you know, he starts, th he's having these flashbacks. He's thinking about stuff during this whole altercation. Um, so it's interesting to hear just like one sentence in a script. It's funny how that can be. Well, I got a um, lot of not so nice tweets the next day. Oh, I'm sure fans take it seriously. They forget sometimes that these are just characters. Yeah. Me <laughs> attempting to kill Abraham was not, was not taken very well. <laughs> yeah, you definitely came off as a, you know, not a likable character initially just because of that. Not that you weren't, you know, a likable guy. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's great that you touched on the fact that you had done stunts before. I don't think that most of the audience probably knew that about you, but some of your first jobs were doing stunts. I mean, do you think that that kind of prepared you for the grueling set of The Walking Dead? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I did a lot of athletics growing up, everything from like soccer to, you know, baseball, wrestling, football, did martial arts for a long time. Um, I just really stayed active as a kid. And I think that's kind of progressed to everything I do now. I and mean, I do my very best to stay in somewhat physical shape. But uh, I think one of my first roles, never back down, I played a football player and I kind of got the role by basically saying I'm going to do my own stunts. And I mm. remember when we were like shooting that, like, a lot of the people on set had no idea how to run a football scene. So I was kind of like, the, like the, the stunt choreographer almost. I mean, I wasn't the stunt choreographer. That was a guy named Jonathan Eusebio. Yeah. Um, he came to like the actual plays. They're like, what would a running back do? And I'm like, this is what he'd do. Like, what would, he, what would he say? This is what he'd say. And a lot of the looping and stage stuff, I had to do a lot of the, like, what would all the football players be saying and why would they be saying it? So that definitely helped me out. Um, in that role, but you know, on The Walking Dead, just being physical. I mean, mm -hmm. everyone, everyone on that set, every actor, every actress is just bona fide badass when it comes to being tough. Yeah, you have to be. I mean, not only is it just grueling with some of the scenes that you're filming, but also just the weather alone can really, you know, oh, it, yeah. it could it can break the strongest of people. I would think oh, yeah. it was 50 degrees in the morning, and then it was like 90 degrees by afternoon. So, oh my gosh, that's grueling. So you started off not so likable, but I'll tell you, and I think this was, goes for most of the audience that watches the show, that the scene that definitely won me over took place 
only in your second episode, and that was when Rick's group and the Hilltop decided to see the saviors with a fake head of Gregory. Yeah. And this, yeah. So this leads to a choice between three severed heads. And in the end, Jesus explains that the nose may not be quite right. And uh, Rick picks up the head and proceeds to punch it three times. And afterwards, he turns towards your character, Andy, and sees kind of like this look of shock. And he just <laughs> asks you a simple question, what? And your reaction is the reason why I was really upset when you came to a close on the show, because after this point, I really liked your character because it was like such a like, I don't know if it came off as funny in the script, but what you said was the saviors, they're scary, but they got nothing on you. And it's like, oh my gosh, I, I laughed out loud when I heard that. When you read that, did you see it as being so funny? No, I, I really didn't and you know read it as funny, but I think like once... Like it got a few laughs on set, and then I kind of realized, oh my god, it is really—it's really dark, you know. Because I—I <laughs> I really didn't know who the saviors were at that time. I mean, I knew they were like a bad group, but now I know who the saviors are. Negan really is. Mm. Um, but it's just so funny. Like every line that Andrew Lincoln and I had was—it always started with the word "what." Like right. When, <laughs> like when he killed Ethan, he was like, "What?" You know. And then <laughs> when he first calls me over to ask for Andy's help to take him, you know, on this trip, he goes, I, or Andy goes, what? And then yeah. that day he looks at me and goes, what? And I remember just having a conversation going, is that all we say to each other? It's like, what? Oh what? my gosh. And I love the escalation and moments between what's right. Like you lose your best friend. Cause you know, he's dead stabs oh, him. And then that was a great line. Yeah. <laughs> Then they're going to be like, all right, you're going to help us and put you, your life in danger. And then it's like, all right, so here's these heads and I'm going to punch one. What? Which one of them the is Johnny Depp, if you didn't know. Yeah. That. Yeah, it was. So that's a hilarious little behind the scenes there. Kind of um, did you see that? Like, I guess, you know, you mentioned that you had some angry tweets during your first episode. Did you see the tweets kind of change after that episode aired? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think once uh, once I held the head. And they realize that, like, okay, he's not—he's not a—he's not, not a bad guy. He's just, you know, he's doing what he has to do to survive for his his community. And at that time, you realize that he's really not a dick. It was just like new people came into his house, and of course, he was going to attack them. So yeah, it kind of lightened up after that, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. So, what would you say was your favorite scene then, in like that you were involved in in The Walking Dead? I think season eight, like that very first day, it was like. It was when um, uh, Maggie, uh, Rick, and King Ezekiel are on top of the truck, and he's, like, giving that, that rah-rah speech oh, to yeah. That was, like, our first day of filming. And usually, like, at least in season six and seven, like, you get to set and you'd see the cast list on who was working that day. And it'd be, like, anywhere between four to, like, maybe ten people. But that day, we had, like, 50 people. And I remember the first, the first day, it started pouring down rain, so we all had to go into a bus like a school bus. So all of us <laughs> were in the school bus for like 45 minutes waiting for the weather to change. But I just remember going back and yeah, it was like that first day of school. We hadn't seen ever, you know, each other in a while. And so that was, that was my favorite scene, you know, just watching, you know, Andrew Lincoln work and, you know, getting to be with all the, all the guys and girls and just, you know, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. That is awesome. And it's such a big episode, you know, it, especially the fact that you were able to be there for the 100 is so awesome. Oh, you know, yeah, here you were yeah. a fan of the show and then you get to be there for this momentous moment. So yeah, I, remember, awesome. uh, I got the call not too long after we wrapped the 100th episode that I would be getting killed off in the next episode, which was really hard uh, because like I just got back, like we were just starting to feel each other. I mean, we all knew people were going to die, but we we're all kind of hoping, you know, we, 
you'd make it one more episode or one more episode, but that was, uh, yeah, that was tough when it ended, but yeah. Such yeah. is life. No. Exactly. Yeah, it does suck. I mean, to be fair, there have been characters that have had a lot shorter of a run, so it's great that you actually oh, yeah. got to I mean, spread out I mean, across three seasons. You go on that show to die, basically. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And as we learned, and again, you know, we're dealing in spoilers there. Obviously, we're talking about Andy, whose character yeah. unfortunately did die in the show. But you know, no one is safe. And as we kind of touched on, you know, in last week's episode is. Yeah, unfortunately, even main characters can die, which can lead to people being like, fire the showrunner, which is yeah. kind of crazy. I think um, I just heard that today, is that they renewed Nine, but with a new showrunner. Yep, yeah, we actually talked about that. Uh, so it's pretty crazy. But Who is the showrunner? Uh, it's going to be uh, Angela Kang, I believe. Oh, okay. I think yeah. she was a writer. Yeah, yeah she's, she's been on the show for seven years, so she's been around. Good for her. Yeah, exactly. And then Scott M. Gimple is going to be the chief content officer. So he's going to be in charge of the overall Walking Dead uh, franchise, basically, on AMC. So he'll be kind of overseeing Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, and then any other brand extensions as well. Nice. So Yeah, pretty cool. A couple promotions there. Um, so, I mean, obviously, we talked about you no longer being on the show. What would you say you're going to miss the most not being on The Walking Dead? Um. I mean, obviously it's a job, so that's kind of nice, but, um, man, the people, the people, everybody from like, I mean, from production to, you know, craft service to, you know, to wardrobe, to makeup, to hair, like everybody on that show was just, you know, you hear that word family quite often and it's exactly what it was that, you know, it never, in the beginning it felt like work. And, you know, as time went on, the more you got on set, the more it was just like, you went there to hang out with everybody, you know, and work, but um there's been plenty of sets out there where you know you, you show up you do your work you go home and that's it but this one is such a such a unique like family like everybody knows each other everybody helps each other no one's mean to anybody i remember like the first day like getting to set being the new guy and you know at lunchtime it's just one big cafeteria um and uh it was lauren cohen who actually asked me she's like hey why don't you come eat with us and that was I didn't, I didn't take like two bites, man. I was so like, like in shock. I was like eating lunch with all the big guys and stuff, but, um, that's what they do. They take care of everyone on set and that's what I miss most about it. Yeah. I love that. It's like everyone, you know, there's not like clicks to a degree, you know what I mean? You, and I can imagine, as you said, how nerve wracking that'd be your first day. It's like here, I'm new. These people have been together for years, you know, and now I have to oh, try yeah. and, you know, infiltrate this. And it's great that they were very accepting. That's so awesome to hear that. Yeah, that's kind of what it felt, felt like. It felt like it was your first day at high school, but like all the popular kids were coming up to you and making sure you're okay. And that's kind of what it is. Like nobody has an ego on that set. And that's, that's something I've said before and I continue to preach is, you know, cause you don't see that. You, I've been on sets where you know who the lead actor is and you don't talk to that person. <laughs> cause he'll tell you six yeah. times. Yeah. They'll tell you, they'll tell you. And you don't, you don't mess with their world. You let them do their thing. But in this one, I mean, I remember Andrew Lincoln jumping out of the car um, because he saw uh, one of the makeup artists walking to set, which was, you know, like a hundred yards away. But, hmm. you know, our hands were full of makeup stuff. So he got out of the car, gave her his seat and he walked to set. So, that's so awesome you don't see that anywhere gosh yeah and you hear the stories right And you hear how great they are with the fans because in all honesty you have to be great with the fans because of the fact that this is such a huge show we touched on that being it is arguably the biggest show on cable it has been for a while 
And so there's a very large audience. They're, they're so, genuine people. They're absolute yeah. genuine people, which is great. So, and speaking on the fans, have you had a chance to go to any conventions since being on The Walking Dead? And if you have, what were some of your experiences? Um, I've, I've been fortunate enough, yeah, I've been doing quite a few conventions. Um, I've been all over. I've been to Canada, I've been to England, I've been Rhode Island Comic Con, one of my favorite cons, uh, Colorado Springs, Lexington, a couple in Florida. I mean, it's they're they're so amazing. I mean, just chatting with people and... I mean, people don't expect, pe- you know, actors to be just normal human beings, which is something, you know, you know, some have a little, some have a little more egos than others. I'm not gonna lie, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's 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 so it's such a personal thing for like fans to come up and talk to people. And I'm such a big fan too. There's plenty of actors I bother at you know these conventions, but um, getting to travel, getting to make a little money, and getting to meet just tons and tons of people is just absolutely awesome. And it, you know, reaffirms that you're doing something good in, in, in this life, you know? Exactly, right? Yeah. And it's and it's gotta be feel a feeling of like, you know, being it's rewarding. You know, you have these it's like, okay, people really did like me on the show. This is so awesome because yeah. that's really the only way you find out is how do the fans feel, you know? Absolutely. So. And it and it makes yeah, it makes it, you know, because all we do is pretend. Like I've always said that, like I love acting and everything, but all we do is pretend. I mean, there's there's people actually fighting out there for, you know, America and they're, you know, putting their lives on the line and we get to pretend for a living. So it's kind of like it puts it in perspective when somebody wants to come up and, you know, take the time to talk to me or give me a couple bucks and sign a photo, you know, like that is the most humbling experience. And then, you know, it, it, put, it puts a lot of things into perspective. But yeah, yeah it shows I, that you I, do I, still have an impact. Yeah, I so. love doing the cons. That is awesome. Now, before The Walking Dead, you'd been involved in a myriad of other projects ranging from various television series, a variety of short films, and even a video game. What would you say was one of your favorite projects that you were involved in before The Walking Dead, and why was it so special to you? Uh, favorite projects? I mean, I feel like every project I've ever done, I've been so excited about. Like, every one I do, I feel like it's going to be amazing and everything, and um trying to think of my favorite i mean i love doing actually there's a there's a short um film i've I've been a part of it's called so dark um we shot an independent film which was like 10 minutes long called so pretty um about a vampire on a on a train who you know confronts the twilight fan or something like that Um, but it was shot really well produced really well my friend carrie maletto and so we did a second one which was about 20 minutes we we named that one so dark um, and then it went on to Amazon Prime, which is still on Amazon Prime, and it won some awards. And um, now we're in pre-production for part three. We want to make it a web Oh, my series. gosh. Yeah, we want to make it a series. We want to make it eight of them, I think. And we just we just got a comic book out, which is cool. What? Um, That's awesome. All of this can be on Amazon Prime. Again, it's called So Dark, the series. There's part one and part two. Um, but that, that was really cool. I play a, a vampire named Sean who's, you know, 200 years old and basically only kills the bad guys. So he's almost like Dexter. Like, yeah, yeah he's a vampire. <laughs> um, but I'm really excited about that stuff because we have controlled that from day one. Um, and it's just gritty. It's really gritty. It's not like cartoony at all. So I really like So Dark, the series. Um, but you mentioned video game. I love doing the video games. I recently worked on EA Sports, Madden 18. Um, and that's when you get to, like, do the voiceover stuff. Oh, and- yeah. You put all the dots on your face and you wear the camera rig. 
And I really like that because I think I, I ultimately I would love to do like a voiceover, you know, like a DreamWorks or a Pixar type movie. I think that would be so awesome. Nice. I, I would definitely watch a movie with you doing the voice. Sweet. I think that'd be hilarious. Ah. So, um, and as for So Dark, we'll definitely leave a link to that in the link dump so that people can check it out on Amazon Prime. Yep. So um, now I'm sure the listeners would love to know this as well as myself, but was there a specific movie or TV show that really made you decide to be an actor? Um, I think as a kid, like basically every Spielberg production made me want to be an actor. You know, like Indiana Jones is like my favorite, you know, oh, classic actually made me take like I took archaeology in college because of Indiana Jones. And I realized it was the most boring subject I've ever, <laughs> ever been a part of. Um, but I think growing up, like I really had this inclination to be an actor, but I never thought I could actually do it for some reason. I'm like, that's impossible. But also there was like a million things I wanted to be as a kid. You know, I wanted to play baseball. I wanted to play football. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a lawyer. And somewhere along the lines, I just figured, you know, if I was an actor, I could attempt to be all of them. Um, yeah. But I think when I was in high school, when I, I was a total, like, jock, I played football. I was, like, vice president of my school. I kept trying to, like, get into college. Like, that's what you had to do. That's what you had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, movies would come around, and I'd be like, oh, I want to do that. And it was weird. Today, somebody posted on my Twitter or Facebook saying, like, today was – 19 years ago today is when Varsity Blues came out, you know, wow. and I was yeah. like, you know, that was one of the movies that made me want to be an actor. Like just oddly enough, I get that posted today and I was like, yep, that was one of the movies. So, well, and it makes sense. I mean, one of your first roles was playing, you know, the, like we talked about, like a football player. So yeah. like, I, would, wow. I, was, I was pretty decent at football. Um, but you know, Two knee, two knee surgeries will take you out of it. So yeah, that definitely will. Well, and speaking of you know you being active in sports, something that I you know read somewhere was that you're a second degree black belt in Taekwondo, and were even the state champion of Washington State twice in fighting. What got you interested in martial arts? Um, when I was a kid, I, you know, I was born in Lagrange, Georgia, and I moved to Seattle, um, actually Puyallup area, when I was about five, and there was a a martial arts studio right next to our house and a friend, a friend of a friend got me in and yeah, I mean this, I was like six years old and I started training and then um, I just kept doing it. I did it till I was about 18 years old. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just a lot of fun. I did other sports along the way, but I mean, I just like, I guess I like kicking people. It was fun. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I was actually involved in Taekwondo myself in the younger years, like in and around high school. And it's, it's, it's one of those interesting things is again, there's like a certain discipline to it. It's not just going out and kicking people, but oh, at yeah. the same time, it's like, you mean I get to fight people and I get trophies for this? Like, wait, what is, what is this? Yeah. This so. was like back in the day where it took, it took us like 12, 13 years to get our black belts. You know, it wasn't like nowadays. It wasn't. Yeah. Kids can be a black belt by next week if they pay enough money. And oh, God. You, had, you had to be like a white belt, and then you had to like write a paper. You had to do forms. You had to like break boards. Like there was actually called testing, like every like six to eight months, like to get you mm-hmm. next to get the next level. And it took you know, it took ten years to get there. So yeah, it was actual skill. You'd have to spar against like three different people or I had a pretty crazy dojo. Um, we had to like stand out in the snow for a certain amount of time, like just really like hardcore discipline, uh, oh, yeah. barefoot, <laughs> which is interesting. But um, 
Yeah, so I yeah, I miss that. I feel like it is kind of easier nowadays. Yeah, because someone was like, Oh yeah, like my seven year old's a black belt. I'm like, what did when did they start when they were like one? I mean uh, it, was, it just takes away from it, doesn't it? It totally does, man. Because I I didn't say I waste a lot of time, but I took a lot of time doing that. Exactly. Now, I guess, you know, what would you say is the hardest part moving from full contact martial arts to stage combat? I know that you mentioned that sometimes it just is full combat in Walking Dead, at least, but oh, yeah. maybe in some other shows. Um, I mean, not a whole lot. It's just more patient, I guess. It's I, I consider like fighting more like dancing in, in film and television because it's like you have a partner and you choreograph everything and then. You know, you play the camera, obviously, to cheat the camera, you know, things like that. So you really got to know what you're doing. Um, you know, there's there's a couple of people out there that tend to do it a little bit more than others. Um, and, they, you know, I've definitely learned along the way. Don't be so antsy about it. You know, <laughs> uh, the camera will, will take care of a lot of that. And, um, you know, trust in your stunt choreographer. But it is something that you, you need to take very seriously because people can get very hurt. Um, yeah. Definitely. So since wrapping on The Walking Dead, you've been quite busy. Obviously, you mentioned the So Dark series. And I was just wondering, you know, according to your IMDb, you still have about five projects you've been involved in since Walking Dead, some carrying over into this year. Are there any other projects that are upcoming that you're really excited about? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm excited because I just moved to Atlanta where everything's really happening. And I've literally been here about a week and a half. And I've had more auditions this week than I've had in like two months. Um, oh, wow. Florida, where I used to live. So things are off and running. And I'm, I'm meeting with a new agent this week. And um, yeah, I'm in, in the middle of a project right now. They kind of got shut down halfway because of, um, I guess, some permits or something they didn't get for shooting. Uh, but I'm hoping to get back on that one. It's called Devil in Hand, which is um, so far it's been a great to shoot. Um, but there's like another one on my IMDb that I, I have no idea what it is. Like somebody tagged me in it, but I'm like, all right, keep it there for now. Yeah. Right. You're like, Hey, I mean, it could be like, potential. I have work. no idea what that is. Like I, <laughs> like I worked on pitch perfect last year. Um, but that was pretty much just a stunt role. Um, yeah. but originally he had some dialogue to it and I, I went to the movies actually to check it out. Um, and yeah, they kept my scene, but they cut my dialogue, but whatever. What would you say would be a goal that you'd like to see yourself accomplishing within the next couple of years? Um, I mean, I would definitely like to become a series regular on a show. And as an actor, that's just, you know, it's like job security. It's like if you get on a show for more than, you know, five episodes, then you're considered a series regular, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you, you're steadily working. I think that's kind of just any actor's goal. Um, but that, that's absolutely my goal just to, just to keep working. I mean, after walking dead ended, there was kind of a, a large break in the middle there. Um, just because it, the season had slowed down, there wasn't a lot going on. Mm. Um, you know, the conventions keep you alive and float, you know, to you know help you pay the bills. But, uh, as an actor, you know, you know, you, you just want to keep working. That's yeah. It. You want to work exactly. And things like that. I mean, obviously there's some, there's some shady things out there, but you know, you get yourself, you know, good people around you, a good agent, good manager, things of that nature. And, you know, they help you steer clear of all the BS and, you know, help you focus. So that's kind of, that's, that's the mission right now. I'm working with a new management team and um, getting some assistance with new man or new agents. So yeah, just one day at a time. Awesome. Now you mentioned being a series regular. Is there a show that's just started or a show that maybe has been on for a while that you'd like to see yourself be a series regular on? 
I mean, like, you know, I don't want to be greedy, but there's some, there's some, good, <laughs> there's some good stuff out there, but I'm just going to wait for the opportunities to, to come first before I start, you know, doing some wishful thinking. But, um, you know, walking dead is just something I never thought I'd be a part of. And that has definitely changed my life for the better. Um, but now that I've got a taste of, you know, how great, you know, working with those people can be, it's spoiled me in a little bit of a way. So, right. Like, you know, there's some, there's some projects out there that I absolutely want to be a part of. I know the Marvel universe is huge here in Atlanta. I would love to, Oh yeah. would love to get on that as like a decent part, not just like, you know, kind of a one liner getting burned out, you know, but yeah. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely some on my, my wish list, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to be too picky. <laughs> Yeah, well, I definitely think you've positioned yourself really well in moving to Atlanta because that is massive right now for production. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining me on the show today, and I really cannot wait to see more of your work and definitely going to have to check out that So Dark series. It sounds really interesting, and hopefully that pans out. You guys get that third part going. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And now it is time for What to Watch. My What to Watch this week is Trey Edward Schultz, It Comes at Night. The film centers around a man who has established a tenuous domestic order with his wife and son within a secure, desolate home as an unnatural threat terrorizes the world. However, a desperate young family arrives seeking refuge and potentially threatens his family's safety. This marks the first studio picture for Schultz, who had seen great success with his short and feature-length independent film, Krisha. It Comes at Night stars Joel Edgerton, Christopher Abbott, and Carmen Ajogo, and is currently available to Amazon Prime members. I personally have not seen the film, but I plan to tweet my reaction to the film later this week, so I definitely invite you guys and gals to join me in seeing It Comes at Night. Well, that's the end of Episode 7 of the Film Revere Podcast. Be sure to show your support for the FR Podcast by leaving a review on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you happen to listen to the show. Another great way to show your support is by getting a free audiobook from Audible by going to audibletrial.com slash frpodcast. If you enjoy the show and would like to ask a question for the podcast, feel free to email me at filmrevered at gmail.com. Lastly, we have award-winning composer Ariel Marks on the show next week. More info to come later. Thanks again from all of us here at Film Revered. Have a great week.